Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Nothing But Locks podcast. I'm your host, Ali Melnicki, accompanied by my favorite co-worker, Robert Kowalski. Robert, how are you doing on this fine day? Well, I guess I could probably be a little bit better if uh, a certain NBA team from the Massachusetts area could have won, but I guess we could get into that. Yeah, well, let's waste no time. On, I'm glad you brought that up. So we did have game six on Thursday last week. And before I get into it, I just want to remind betters why you should never go against your first instinct. Because before the final started, I predicted Golden State in six. And then I changed my pick that I thought Boston would win game six. That's who I bet on last week. And of course, I was wrong with my second prediction, and I would have been right with my first prediction. So always stick with your first instincts. Don't change it. It oh, and, and I always fall into this trap, and it always kicks me right in the butt. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> we did have game six. And I mean, if there was one word I think I could use to describe the Celtics' effort in that game, Robert, it was uninspired. How about you? Yeah, no, they, they absolutely were so flat. I mean, look, this, you know, in the tiniest of recaps, obviously, you know, we, we know that it was, it was close at one point, you know, but we were just looking down to the one last thing that just keeps jumping out at me. You know, when you turn the ball over and you give up offensive rebounds that lead to easy putbacks, you get this very little chance that you're going to win any kind of a game. Uh, And Golden State was just stellar on defense, you know, 22 turnovers, um, Heck, the last three games, actually, uh, uh, Warriors forced 15, 18, and then 22 turnovers mm-hmm. uh, to sweep those last three. And, and honestly, uh, they, they were just really, really tough for Boston, uh, particularly you know, when, when the fatigue became relevant. And it, and it looked like that's exactly what was happening down the stretch at home. Yeah, it was just it was an awful showing for Boston. Like, there's no way to sugarcoat that. They were outscored in every quarter except the third. And by that time, I mean, Golden State was already running away for it. I mean, Boston managed only 17 points in the second quarter. And I kept saying to my friends, because I was watching with a few Boston fans, I was like, you know, unless Boston could call this lead to 10 points or less going into halftime, it's over. It really is. And it really was over from the beginning. Jason Tatum, I don't know what happened to him this series. You know, I thought he would take a big step up and really solidify himself as a superstar in this league. But at least it didn't show that way in this past finals. You know, Jalen Brown had a pretty good game. Al Horford was solid. But I don't know. It was just like, to me, watching the game, it the Celtics played with no sense of urgency whatsoever and that was very uncharacteristic of a Boston team because one thing you know I'll say about Boston's fans is they're passionate they're intense and they expect a lot out of their sports you know I'm a Red Sox fan but for me watching that game the Celtics just came out like you said they were flat they were not motivated and to me it looked like they just gave up I mean what do you think yeah, and isn't that funny, Ali, after I just said that one of the largest influences in a in a home court advantage is the officials. Mm-hmm. The yeah. officials never could even come into play because, heck, at one point, uh, Boston Celtics fans were actually booing the home team. So you can't rally around that, and there's no way that an official could get inspired by, you know, seeing this, this massive swell of support because it just simply wasn't there. Heck, 
I think there were probably uh, a louder cheers for the Warriors. They they had a really great traveling pack of fans, uh, you know, in, in game number six. I just think that honestly, with the way they got beat, they got beat, and and it wasn't exactly the way maybe some uh, some of the older editions of Warriors teams mm-hmm. have done it. You know, they they did it with a a, a pretty steady slow pace, uh, and you know, it basically brought. Golden State to uh, a 13 and three straight up record when they did, in fact, become masters of half court chess. Uh, who knew? But, you know, that that's exactly what it turned into. Maybe actually we should take a look at uh, well, the person that now has nine rings, uh, Steve Kerr, mm-hmm. four, four rings as a coach, five rings as a player. Uh, maybe he's the one that's the genius behind all of this and figured it all out after all. Yeah, and this win means so much for the Warriors and Stephon and Stephen Curry's legacy because, you know, after they won their first title in 2015, then lost to the Cavaliers in 2016, which we can talk about another day with Draymond getting suspended for game six in that series. But they go out and they get KD. They win the ser- they win the finals the next two seasons. Then they probably could have had even a third straight finals if both KD and Clay don't get hurt against Toronto. But to see them come back after Clay missed over a year and a half, maybe even, I think even longer, with you know his torn ACL, KD's gone. And just to see this team come back and win another finals without one of the best players in the league right now. And really relying on their core three between Curry, Clay, and Draymond. I mean, like you said, it's not just Curry. You have to give props to Curry and his legacy. And I'm not one to put him like a lot of talking heads have in the past week to say he's a top 10 player of all time. Because I don't think he's a top 10 player of all time. Not even close. Maybe top 20. Definitely, I would say he's in the top three for greatest shooter of all time. But I'm not putting him in the top 10 of all time. But I really think it speaks to his legacy as a leader and really being able to step up when it counts. I mean, he had 34 points and he was six for 11 from the three point line in game six. And he really carried that team. So what's your thoughts on Curry's legacy? I think he's he's one of the best players I've ever seen. Uh, and, and I think he's a very, very well-deserved MVP. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I. I don't watch many NBA games during the regular season, but if I'm going to tune in it's and the Warriors are on, I'm without a doubt, pretty certain I'm going to be very entertained by whatever Curry does on the court. He just puts up just, just nonsensical shots that make no sense. And they go in, they go in, whether it's a stutter step, whether it's a, a backup 25 foot three, uh, <laughs> someone posted a, incredible collage of absolutely ridiculous shots that curry puts up i mean you know launching a three not even looking at it as it goes into the basket because he already knows it's in he's um you know to me he's one of the more entertaining players i've ever seen and uh you know I'm, i'm just really happy that he's he's still active and we get to see you know at least another season three of of him you know in golden state warriors uniform yeah for sure and you know, I picked this, as everyone knows, I picked the Warriors before the playoffs even started to win it all. So, you know, I'm going to stand by my pick that I really did think the Warriors were 
maybe not the best team because I think you could make a case the Suns had a better up to down roster, but they were the more they were the team that had the most chemistry out of any other team in the playoffs. I mean, you can besides just the core three, you know, Kayvon Looney's been there forever. You have Andre right. Iguodala on the bench. And I really think that veteran leadership and just that chemistry really showed. And we talk about Boston's chemistry, and I do think they have good chemistry, but you could tell at times at the court, you know, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, they just weren't vibing the same way. And one thing, too, I noticed with the Celtics, it's that when one of their guys isn't shooting right or isn't playing right, they don't really pick each other up. One thing that the Warriors do is they find a way to pick each other up. I mean, Steph Curry was over nine from the three-point line the game before, and they found a way to win. Right. So I think that really contributes it to it. But I don't want to take a long time to, you know, because we have a lot to talk about on this postmortem. But before we do, you know, where would you rank this finals in recent history? Is it one of the more entertaining run- ones, in your opinion? Is it a letdown? What do you think? Oof. OK, uh, so. Um, nah, I actually don't even. But look, I, I first off, I'm probably going to go like. Heat Spurs, mm-hmm. 2013, you know, with Bosch Allen and James winning 4-3. That might be, like, the best one I've ever seen. Oh, yeah. Um, Celtics-Lakers, 84. Mm-hmm. Ah, huh. Bulls-Jazz, uh, 97, the, the flu game. <laughs> if it was oh, the yeah. flu, actually, it's food poisoning. I, I mean, <laughs> it, then, you know. Uh, James, you know, the, the Warriors Cavs 2016, the yep. block, the comeback, Warriors being 73 and nine. I mean, yeah, I look, it entertained me. Um, you know, I, I thought that there was a lot of complexity in the series. Uh, it, and I honestly think it was, you know, one of the more uh, entertaining ones. I just think that if we, we looked back in the you know, the, the history books, you know, I, I think that it's probably, I would probably say maybe it's in the top 10. Uh, but, you know, the, some of the others that I just mentioned, those are the ones that just, I, I said to myself, these are the ones that I'm never going to forget. And obviously, you know, this is just like off the top of my head, you know, some of the moments had ah, Knicks Lakers 70. I mean, finally, I get to say the Knicks in some kind of positive light. <laughs> uh, have to go all the way back to 1970. But I, I, I honestly think that, you know, they, they put together a, a really great series. Uh, the final was, was, was really, really fun to watch. Um, but you know, ulti- ultimately, I think that we probably saw a little bit more of a, uh, drama in some of the others. Yeah. Allie, how about you? Yeah, it's, to me, it was, in my opinion, just looking at it, it was a little more forgettable for me. Because like you said, we don't have that signature, you know, 2016, the block and Kyrie, then Kyrie scoring. Sure, sure. We don't have that signature image. I mean, it was kind of like once the Warriors, maybe because the last few games really weren't too competitive and they were kind of sloppy, even when the Warriors won game five, it was a sloppy game. So I don't know. It doesn't stand out to me. I think if anything, we're looking more at a product of the NBA that we're just going to see for the next few years where it's a domination from the three-point line and we just need to get used to that. But I don't know. I, I just wasn't thrilled by it. I think that even when the Warriors played the Raptors, 
back in 2019, that was far, far more entertaining for me. Sure. Everyone right. did want to root against the Warriors. They were the bad guys by then. And I think they've kind of redeemed themselves after KD did leave for the Nets. They were back to being, you know, this core three of homegrown talent from the draft that people really gravitate toward and really like. So I think they did redeem themselves. But in the, I guess what's missing in this finals was a villain. And you didn't really have a villain. Yeah, you see, that's exactly it, Ali. I mean, look, all of this is honestly, it, it, it is subjective, right? You know, one fan base may value a, you know, certain NBA finals over another just due to fandom. But you're absolutely right. There's no villain. There's no, like, bitter rivalry, you know, or surprising upset. You know, it just... It wasn't really there. It was Golden State playing Boston. When's, when did that happen? I mean, it's it doesn't. You know, they were facing each other pretty much for the first time. You know, it came down to the finals. But, yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah, I mean, even if you look at last year with the Bucks and the Suns, like, those games were close games. I mean, I forget if it was game four or game five where the Suns were up, like, the whole game, and then they just totally blew it in the last minute. But, I mean, that was some entertaining games, I felt. And this one just didn't quite live up to it. But otherwise, it was a good playoffs. I really enjoyed watching them, even though there were a lot of blowouts. There were still a lot of close games that were entertaining. And we got to see the rise of, like, Luka Doncic and Jimmy Butler and really other players establishing themselves. I mean, we're going to see John Morant and the Grizzlies back there next year. And that's going to be an exciting time. But now that we are talking about next year, let's talk some futures. So, Robert, let's talk about the odds to win the 2023 title. I know we haven't hit free agency yet, and I know that the draft is tomorrow, so we're not there yet. But what are you looking at right now at who's favored? What are some up-and-coming teams? What should some bettors be looking at for futures bets? Yeah, right out of the box, you know, I've I've already – uh, set up the pool for for next season's championship final and it's you know it's no surprise you know obviously we're, we're going to wait for who gets drafted and then you know free agency is going to be an absolute spree i i think this mm-hmm. is going to be oh yeah uh, a really big one um but you know i'm going to make uh the warriors the favorite at about five and a half to one uh followed by a um trifecta of eastern conference teams we're going to go celtics nets and bucks uh, all at seven to one okay um and then um clippers we're going to do uh clippers at nine to one and Interesting. so those are those are the current favorites only that because Kawhi you know back. yeah well and exactly that's it i mean we're, we're forgetting you know i mean i, I guess it's really not going to be, you know, any kind of surprise how much better they're going to be. I mean, Phoenix, I know I didn't even really, you know, talk too much about the Suns here, but, it, you know, it's, they're certainly going to be tougher since the Clippers are going to be joining the Warriors. You know, it's pretty formidable foes. Uh, Leonard will be back. You know, then there's Paul George. Um, you know, as of now, I'm still counting on Jackson and Marcus Morris being there. Um you know, they, you know, I guess uh, Batum has that player option to exercise, you know, probably command a larger salary elsewhere, you know, but even if he's not in the mix, I think the Clippers figure to be, well, at least LA's most formidable team. Yeah, I'm actually glad you did bring up the Clippers because they actually 
remind me of the Warriors entering into the season last year. Because I know after LA traded for Russ Westbrook, you know, I live in LA, so the ratio of Lakers fans to Clippers fans is like four to one out here, probably even more <laughs> being kind to the Clippers. But everyone was like, oh, LA got it, you know. And I'm like, did everyone just forget like Russ Westbrook's like a cancer on any team he goes on? But that aside, from last year, from last summer, I said that the Warriors were my sleeper team to make the finals and win the finals. And I pointed to, I just think they have a lot of motivation. They're getting clay back. They're going to have Steph healthy all year. And the Clippers kind of fit that same makeup right now going in. People forgot Kawhi didn't play at all last season. No, not at all. Right. And then they forget too, you know, if Kawhi doesn't go down in the playoffs last season, I mean, the Clippers had a legitimate shot of beating the Suns and going to the finals. I think they actually would have beat them. You're right. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm right with you. So I think that if you're really going to jump on a team right now that has decent odds, you know, what what do you have them? Seven to one, you said? Uh, Clippers, eight and a half. Yeah, so that, that that's that's odds to jump on right there. Like, I mean, I'm not a huge futures better, but if you're going to ask me to take a team, that to me is very good value with a very legitimate shot of making the finals next season and winning the finals. And, you know, Kawhi is one about rest. And we saw last time he sat out an entire season, he led the Raptors to a finals win and a championship. So that is a very good team to look at. Another team, you know, again, this is all pre-free agency and everything, but I know a lot of people are jumping on the Mavericks. I'm not there yet because I need to see what that team looks like. And Jalen Brunson's a free agent too, so who knows if they even get their number two guy back. But a team that I'm really looking at, and I want to know what you have for their odds, but the Memphis Grizzlies. And if there was a team this postseason that I actually thought could beat the Warriors, and forget that I fell into the spell of the Mavericks, but I thought the Grizzlies had a legitimate shot of upsetting the Warriors in that series. So what do you have the Grizzlies right now, Robert? And tell me I'm crazy. No, no, absolutely never. Uh, this is absolutely a contender and uh, you're going to get a price, right? All, all I'm looking for right now is, you know, what's your buy price? So I'm, I'm going to offer Memphis right now today, uh, pre-draft, pre-free agency at 22 to 1. Okay. Oh, I, 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 I think that that's a decent price. Very uh, good. You know, you know, I, I have a feeling that they'll probably be able to build off of their success last year. Uh, you know, since most of their rotation is going to probably return intact. Um, I mean, I think from looking at this, right. And I got to just brush up on my free agency terms and how all this works, but I think only reserve forward uh, Anderson and then, you know, the backup point guard Jones, their free agents. So, you know, I don't know if they're going to really leave or if it's going to make any difference, but obviously, you know, with Morant and his crew, I, I think those odds are going to be pretty attractive, Allie. For sure. And John Morant is just a budding superstar in the league. And if there's one player, you know, Luca's up there too, but John Morant is probably the most exciting player to watch right now. I mean, what he can do with the ball in his hands and this guy just plays fearlessly. So I think he does come into next season with a little chip on his shoulder. You know, he did get hurt in game three against the Warriors. And if he doesn't get hurt, they have a decent shot of upsetting them, like I said earlier. But I'm really liking the Grizzlies. 
Another team that I'm curious to see now that they have a full year with CJ McCollum, Zion might be coming back, but is the Pelicans. What do you think about them, Robert? Yeah, so the the Pelicans, I'm I'm looking to see if we're going to get anyone, you know, to to make a bite on on them early because obviously there, there's a lot of questions on on whether or not they're going to be, you know, back, you know, together as a as a full franchise and then uh, you know, what the condition of of Williamson's going to be. So I'm offering them at, at 68 to one. Oh, right, yeah. now. right. It's, it, it's right up there, you know, as, as high as I can, you know, go without, you know, pretty much just saying, look, you're, you're a bottom feeder and you know, there's really no hope for you at all. But in this case, you know, there, there's, there's some noise that they can do. And I honestly think that if they come back healthy uh, and they're all together during, you know, preseason, or maybe we get to see them during the summer league out here in Vegas, um, you know, we could probably start to look at their odds and, and shorten them a bit. But, you know, for today, um, I, I think, I don't know. I, I, I think you probably would guess I could get a purchase at 68 to one. I, I hope I would be able to. Yeah, no, I, that, that's a fair price. Um, I think it's a little high for me to take just because I'm not a hundred percent sold on the team yet, but I'm very interested. There's, there's very, there's a lot of potential with that team if you have a healthy Brandon Ingram, a healthy Zion, you know, CJ McCollum, he really meshed well with that Pelican squad. So I am curious to see what that team brings. But we are going to next week have uh, an episode devoted to talking about free agency because I love NBA free agency. I actually think NBA free agency is more exciting than NBA regular season. <laughs> And I know I'm not in the minority in that. A lot of people will agree with me. But we already have a lot of buzz right now of what's going on in free agency and the potential of some trades. So let's talk about some of that. And the big news this week was, of course, Kyrie Irving is a little bit disgruntled in Brooklyn, and he may be on the trading block. So, Robert, where do you predict he's going to land, and where do you think he should land? You know, I – so a lot of this has to do with, you know, with what's happening post pandemic, of course. And, you know, and despite New York city's mandate, you know, it's basically resulted in him playing like not even a quarter of the season. You know, I, I still think he's going to get really big money if he turns down that player option. I, I'd be shocked if the nets are, you know, comfortable fully guaranteeing a four or five year maximum salary contract for him. So I just think just based on his on-court value, Ali, I think realistically he could hold the number one spot as the most coveted free agent this yeah. year. Absolutely. I'm, I'm right with you on that. And I know obviously the hot talk is he's going to come to LA and wouldn't that just be, you know, a beautiful disaster reuniting Kyrie with LeBron and then Russ with KD. I don't think that's going to happen. I, I really don't. I think that if you see Kyrie, going anywhere. I mean, I think he stays in the Eastern conference, maybe New York. I don't know what the Knicks do have to offer, but you know, he, he loves Madison square garden. He loves the spotlight, maybe even the Clippers, you know, I mean, could we see a big three of Kawhi, Paul George and Kyrie Robert? Yeah, there's, there's no doubt. I mean, ultimately you're going to have to find a place, you know, to, to fit him inside the cap. 
And, and look, if you're going to be staying in New York, why not just stay and play with, you know, with, with Brooklyn? I mean, you're, yeah. you're going to come back. Your team's loaded. Uh, you know, and, and I honestly think that they're just going to have, you know, one of the better teams going into the, you know, into the season, if that's the case, just untouched without any, any other uh, free agent pickups or, or you know, pre-draft options. I just think that he's honestly, you know, one of the better players, you know, available, uh, you know, in, in any free agent market right now, forget about, you know, just this year, you know, it's, so again, he, he does have that player option. I don't know. I think he stays. You, you, you can't, who's, who's going to, who wants Westbrook? Who wants Westbrook at, 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 what is it? 47 million. That's his option. Yeah. So, so 47, that's like a third of your whole entire cap. I, it, I just don't see him getting moved to be honest. And, you know, that, that's really bad news for the Lakers because you're going to have to, you know, play with him. And I don't know what Ham's going to do and, and, and change the entire uh, facet of the way the Lakers play ball. If he's, if he's so in, uh, in, intensive on, on defense, he's going to be pretty disappointed uh, not a, about 10 games into the season because there, there's, there's some tread on the tires of the Lakers stars right now. And I don't think they're going to be able to play the defense that he's going to be asking for. I said this a few days ago and people thought I was crazy, but I said, the Lakers are never going to move Russ unless they move AD with Russ, because I mean, I just don't see a team that's going to give Russ, you know, a star position and have them lead their team. I mean, at least AD for as injured as he gets, he's still young. Sure. And he still has a lot of years left in him where Russ, I don't, I don't even know how many years Russ has left. If it, you know, I think he's on the strong decline, but what, what would this be? Russ's fourth team in four years. You know, he goes from the thunder to the rockets, to the wizards, to the Lakers. So fifth team in five years. Right. I just, I, I feel like Russ has hit where Carmelo is at now. And he's just this player that, is never going to win in the postseason. He's never going to like taste the finals. He's just kind of like an old selfish player that, you know, it's just who wants him? Like he, he's up for sale and no one wants to bite on that price. So it's, you know, give us him and, but you need to give us some value. And besides LeBron, the Lakers have no value whatsoever. I mean, no, they have any no, graphics, no, no. they have right. just all role players. So I think if the Lake and the Lakers do need a, a, a big makeover, because if they can stay with this roster now, I don't see them making the playoffs next year. Do you, Robert? No, that's a great question. I was just about to say, okay, right now, just going in with those three, do they even make the playoffs? I, I don't, I don't see it happening. So, okay, let, let's do this alley. Let's say you're the general manager of the Washington wizards, almost mm-hmm. at the bullets. Um, and Bradley Beal says, you know what? Um, I'm, I'm good. Get, you know, go ahead and, and get me out of here. And there, there's a deal in place. Would you trade away Bradley Beal for Russell Westbrook? No. I mean, you just saw the Wizards just traded away Russell Westbrook. <laughs> so it's like, it's like, do we trade, you know, our, you know, our solid guy for, for this guy that, you know, was just, I don't know, just neurotic dribbling the ball around and just chucking up threes even though he knows he can't shoot threes and the wizards have all the pieces that they need really to make another step i mean 
they have some good role players. They Kuzma was a good pickup for them in that Westbrook trade. They got a few other guys that uh, I just think that you bring them in Westbrook and you're just taking a step back. And that's really what Westbrook is at this point of his career. He's a step back. I don't, I, you know, I'll make a bold statement. I don't think he's a starter anymore. Do you? No, nice. No, He's just a, a guy to come out right now and, and just, you know, offer up some offense, maybe as a sixth man off the bench, you know, pick up 25 minutes. And that should be probably sufficient for him to, you know, give up as, as much of a burst as he can each game. And, and that's probably where his, his best fit would be. <laughs> okay. Well, so then how about this? Could maybe the Lakers get Zach Levine? So I'm glad you brought that up because I I don't think so. I'll just put it at that. I think Levine, I think he loves the idea uh, or is intrigued by playing in LA. I think everyone at some point in their career, whether you love him or hate him, do want to play alongside LeBron. But Chicago has such a great core. And if they didn't have all their injuries last year entering the postseason, I really think they make some noise. So if I'm Levine, I have the chance to be the next leader of the bulls and they really haven't had that player. That is that home that, you know, that homegrown star name since Derek Rose. I mean, I don't leave the bulls. I I really don't. I don't go to play. Maybe I go to play with LeBron if this was five years ago, but you know, LeBron's missing more and more games every year. And the bottom line is the Lakers just don't have a core around them. They don't have a bench. They, they just have a bunch of, you know, roll guys on these mid-level contracts that, you know, were good, you know, five, seven years ago. Yeah. So if I'm Levine, um, if I'm Zach Levine, no, I, I stay with Chicago. What do you think? Yeah, you're, you're right. He's probably going to get his biggest payday from Chicago anyway. Yeah, for sure. And then we also got James Harden, you know, Obviously, I think I don't think there's any doubt he's going to opt into his contract. I mean, no team at this point is going to give him what is he about 47 a year or two now. Right. But then that, you know, creates some controversy in Philadelphia because we saw in the postseason. I mean, he was just he was like, what, the third option. And to be making that much money and you're a third option, maybe even a fourth option at times. I don't know. What do you think the Sixers do with him? Yeah, I, I think, look. He's, he's probably going to be on track for, you know, maybe the biggest contract of any of this year's free agents. But I, I, I guess he's underwhelming, you know, you know, by his standards, you know, where he averaged like 22 a game and 10 assists, which is, you know, that's, that's still really fantastic. But, you know, so I just think that it's, you know, that's raising some new concerns. You know, he's, he's 33 in August. You know, so maybe we're starting to see, you know, the start of his decline rather than a blip on the radar. Um, I honestly think, look, even if he doesn't recapture his MVP form, he's still probably one of the, you know, more talented playmakers and he's the dangerous scorer. I just don't know if he's, could he possibly be moved? I I could see it. I just think that if he does, what's that going to do to, you know, to the Sixers? That's going to absolutely tear them. You know, and I know, yeah, we, we didn't see much of them together, you know, in the playoffs and, you know, they did what they had to do, uh, you know, and, and play out the string. And, you know, they, they made some noise in the playoffs. But, Ali, I don't know if, if he if he stays, I don't think that the Sixers improve. Um, but if they opt to let him go, 
I think clearly they they're they're in you know they're in turn for a massive massive drop off unless they go out and you know acquire uh, you know another free agent that's you know that's out there and they just you know seeming seemingly trade hard and for another free agent. I just don't know if that's probably in the best interest of their that franchise either. No, and I don't think they trade him because I mean I don't think any team looks at Harden and I hate to say it, but I don't think any team looks at him as a Batman anymore. I think he's now you're Robin. I mean, you saw in Brooklyn, mm, yeah, work out because in James Harden's head, he's still the number one guy, but you're not anymore. You you're you're not as good as KD. Then now you come to Philadelphia, you're not as good as Embiid anymore. So. And Harden to me has always been a player I thought was more about himself and his stats. And I think that's why, you know, the big three in Oklahoma city between Harden, Russ and Durant was broken up because Russ wanted to be number one. KD wanted to be number one and Harden wanted to be number one. And they didn't want to work together, which is a shame because I think they could have really made a dynasty, but you know, I don't think there's any team that is going to look to Harden and give him the reins to be number one. I mean, am I wrong? No, no. I, I, I mean, look, unless you're, you know, one of your um, also rants, you know, that, that are looking for a, you know, a new star, a new face, you know, for, for the next couple of years, um, you know, just to say, hey, we're, we're making an attempt here. Uh, or maybe they bring him in to, you know, you know show some of the, uh, the younger players, uh, you know, how to, you know, excel at, you know, their parts of the game that that might not be good. And I'm looking at, I don't know, maybe he ends up on somewhere like it's possible, but maybe he ends up in like New Orleans mm-hmm. or, um, you know, someplace like it. Uh, I don't know. Isn't this kind of crazy? What if, what if Brunson leaves Dallas? I mean, is it kind of crazy to think maybe we might see, uh, might see him team up with Doncic in Dallas? You know, I thought about <laughs> Dallas, but I just don't think him and Doncic fits because Doncic is a guy that dominates the ball and the Mavericks are better when the ball is in his hands. Harden is a guy that always wants the ball in his hands. So I just don't think that's going to work. I think Doncic needs a good, you know, shooting forward or shooting guard that he can pass to and he can rely on to sink those outside threes that he can pass to, you know, on the wing and Harden's not that guy. Harden wants to dribble up. Harden wants to ISO his defenders and he wants to take a shot. I did maybe think somehow if the Warriors, you know, not the Warriors, the Wizards talk to Philly, maybe you see a Bradley Beal for James Harden switch. I don't know. What do you think about that? That's fine. Yeah, I can go with that. I'm actually just thinking of, I'm just trying to put together pieces and I'm just, you know, nowhere near any kind of accuracy when it comes to this, but that does make sense. Heck, while we're at it, you know, if, if in fact everything does fall apart in, in Brooklyn, how about Kyrie, you know, Kyrie Irving in Dallas? You know, I'm, I'm just thinking of like what kind of like a really insane backcourt can make some noise and, and you know, come up with, you know, a, a possible run to the finals, you know, with Golden State and the Clippers and, you know, the Memphis Grizzlies for that matter. I just think that that's where you're looking for that one critical piece that, you know, a franchise needs to, you know, get themselves, forget about making the playoffs. We want to see them in the finals now. Well, for me, any advice I would give, and obviously I'm not a GM, but if you look at a Kyrie Irving or if you look at a James Harden that has basically just alienated or like left a team in shambles, it's these two guys. 
you know, you go, you know, Kyrie wanted out of Cleveland. He left Cleveland where he could have probably had arguably another championship or two. He goes to Boston. He's a disruptor in the locker room in Boston. He leaves Boston. Boston makes the finals. And then you look at Harden. I mean, he just left the, the Rockets in a heartbeat. They're still trying to recover. You're right. You're right. He, right. he, he left Brooklyn. You know, Brooklyn still wasn't, wasn't any better once he left them. So for me, if I'm a GM, I'm looking at a team like the Grizzlies, like the Pelicans, like even Atlanta. I mean, Atlanta was a little bit of a disappointment this year, but last year yes. you know, they, they went to the Eastern Conference Finals. But, you know, build a team full of, you know, young, hungry guys that want to be your franchise player because they drafted you like a Trey Young, like a Luka, like a John Morant. And build your team through there. You know, get rid of these recycled, you know, has-beens like Harden, like Westbrook, like Kyrie, and really start from scratch. I mean, you saw what the Warriors just did. it. They, they went back to where they started from. And they found themselves with another championship. Right. So for me, I think that's what you got to do. And you're going to have your franchises like the Lakers that still want those marquee names. And hey, if we make the playoffs, we do. If we don't, we don't. But we're still selling out every night. And unfortunately, you know, I think the Sixers are stuck with Harden. I mean, with Harden, I, I don't think they make it out of the first round. What about you? No, no, it's it's more the same. I, they're, they're not going to improve with the with the same team coming back. I, I don't see that happening. Um, I, I I just don't know. And B and B gets better, you know, but Harden gets worse, and you know that's that's a net zero in, in my eyes. You know, I, I guess if we had to go, okay, Ali, how about this? So just you know, with with everything being said, we're just talking, you know, uh, you know, at length here with the with the big free agent predictions and what we think is going to move in, in one direction or another. But if we had to choose right now, which franchise would absolutely make it back to the finals, Boston or Golden State? I got to go with Golden State on that one. <laughs> I know you, you were high on the Celtics this year, but just, just looking at these two teams, uh, and I don't think the Celtics are even missing one or two pieces. I think that you know losing a finals really does something to a team. I think that you regress. We just saw the Suns do that. I think if I think if Chris Middleton doesn't get her from Milwaukee, Milwaukee might have made it back to the finals. But I, I just think the Celtics take a step back this year. What about you? Okay. Yeah. No, you're right. I mean, look, the East is is just loaded, right? And they're, again, they're going to have to run the gauntlet against Miami, against Brooklyn, against Milwaukee, and that's just from you know the, the tip of the iceberg that we know are you know perennial deep playoff run teams yeah and don't forget they had to go seven games against milwaukee and seven games against uh miami so it wasn't like a walk in the park not at all not all out west the warriors i mean look we talked a little bit about the clippers getting better i don't think the suns are going to get better grizzlies they'll they're probably still going to improve but again and so it's the mavericks grizzlies the suns the clippers that's what that warriors really have to be concerned about in my eyes you know, to, to make it back to the finals. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. You know what, though? <laughs> okay, last bit of tinkering. <laughs> Gary Payton Jr., really great defensive point uh-huh. guard on Golden State. That's what the Celtics need. 
Yeah. <laughs> and he's a free agent, by the way. So if he ends up on Boston, <laughs> they're going back to the finals. Hey, even take a, you know, they do need defense. Even take a shot at PJ Tucker, though. I don't think Tucker's going to sign with the Celtics, but, you know, some, some really, some guy that's going to come in and disrupt on the defensive end. But I don't want to spend too much time because we're already <laughs> 40 minutes in and we still have a lot to talk about. Um, if we don't get to the NFL today, we still have a whole summer to talk with, but I do want to talk to Stanley Cup finals. So I did think that the Avalanche would win the first two at home. I was I was pretty confident in that, even though I like the Lightning in the Stanley Cup. I did take the Lightning in game three to win. They roared back and won six to two. And now they play a game four tonight. So, Robert, who do you like to win? Do you like the over, the under? What's your take? Yeah, I, I, I just kept seeing one thing in, in my eyes, and that was – a, a huge, huge effort from the, the Tampa Bay Lightning, which is what we saw in game three in, uh, you know, in their home game in this best of seven. So, you know, you know, I, at the time that we're recording this, of course, we're a couple hours away from game number four. And, uh, you know, it's in, it's in Tampa. Again, the game is picked the total six uh, shaded heavily to the under. Uh, and right now the series price with Colorado up two to one, uh, the Avalanche are a uh, $3 favorite, and so mm-hmm. that you can get a buyback of about plus 250 on the Tampa Bay Lightning. And I honestly think that the way the series is going, I mean, look, it, it's um, there's, there's so much that we can do to, to look at how these teams got here. But if, if you're looking the rest of the way, you know, there's, there's one player that we haven't seen yet, and that's uh, Nazem Kadri on Colorado. He could play in game number four tonight. You know, and Kadri, he's coming off of a career-best 87-point regular season. You know, he had six goals, 14 points in the 13 postseason games before getting hurt. If he comes back, that's yet another massive, massive cannon uh, for Colorado. And, and you know, just, they just keep getting deeper. So, you know, Kale McCarr is ridiculous, you know, in, in game number two, he scores a shorty and a power play goal in the same period. Uh, you know, so there's, there's so much firepower that the Avalanche have. And so, you know, there's going to be massive adjustments. And I honestly think with the way, you know, the ebb and flow of the series goes, I, I still think that Colorado is going to be the one that's going to, you know, end up winning this cup final. Ali, um, and, and, you know, look, once again, it's just a, a ton of swarming that the Tampa Bay Lightning have to deal with. Vasilevsky still, in, in my opinion, you know, he's the best. Mm-hmm. You can get a chance to beat him. You swarm around him. You get this guy to, you know, just start being blind, you know, being screened the whole time. It's what it's going to end up happening, like we saw in game number two. So I think there's a, um, a bounce back to form. Uh, you know, we're not going to see, you know, the, the wide open blowout that happened in the second period of right. game number three. I just think that uh, Colorado ends up taking this one. And then uh, it's it's that home win uh, on the return trip to win that cup. Well, I said before even game three, I said the Lightning are a much different team at home. I think they've only had one loss at home this entire. Yes, season. yes. But you bring up a good point because even though I do like like the Lightning to win game four, they got to do something about defense. I mean, Vasilevsky, he had 37 saves the other night. Like, right. It's just phenomenal. But he had, you know, 
39 shot attempts. Like you, you can't put that much pressure on your goalie, no matter how good he is. So I do think that the lightning have to step it up on defense and limit the shots. If they want to take, take game four. I do like the under a lot, even though the over hit the first three games, I think this is the first game in your series. That's really a low scoring grinded out affair. So I'm leaning under but I do like the lightning. I, I, I really do think that they will win game four, tie it up. The rest of the series is a complete wash. I think, I think to even win one game in Colorado is a lot to save for the lightning, but at least for tonight, I'm taking the lightning and the under. So you're going with Colorado and do you like the under and the over? I would probably lean towards the under as well. I mean, there's, there's a lot to be said about, you know, how, how these teams get set and how they play. I don't think we're going to see anything resembling game number two ever again. You know, uh, Tampa only had 16 shots on goal to 30 for, for Colorado. Uh, and the game three, things got a little bit chippy and, you know, Kucherov got blasted into the boards. You know, then the heavyweights came out with two minutes. So that's kind of how hockey ends up going. Uh, you know, so I just think that the, the rest of the way, again, Kadri comes back in game number four. It's going to be, a very, very difficult time to, to not see that lamp uh, lit up several times for the Colorado avalanche. Yeah. And I hate to say, even though I do, I, I said it at the beginning of the episode, I am not going to change my initial pick. So, cause I'm going to follow that this time. I'm going to stick with the lightning, but <laughs> like I said, it is going to be an uphill battle for them to at least win one game in Colorado. I do think that it, it, it's going to go top series high two two to Colorado. Colorado will probably win game five, and you know we'll we'll discuss that after next week. <laughs> but yes. I do we do have about fifteen minutes left, so I want to start the NFL because I'm most excited for the NFL. I get excited for it every year. It's my favorite sport to not only watch but to bet on. You know, football Sundays are my church. So, you know, from the minute I wake up on a Sunday to the the final game at night on NBC, I just I love football Sundays. I love analyzing them. I love fantasy. I love all of that. But let's just talk about futures for today. So, Robert, who do we have uh, currently for odds to win the Super Bowl? What are some of your best value? What teams are you looking at? What do you think? I had to open up the. the Bills as the favorite uh, to, to win the Super Bowl, uh, and I opened them up at at seven to one. They were uh, tied with the Kansas City Chiefs, and that was you know odds that I set prior to Tyreek Hill uh, getting um, getting a new address in Florida. Mm-hmm. So now you know Kansas City is ten to one, uh, and then of course we're talking you know about who was there last year. Well, the Rams are ten to one as well. Um, really not much interest right now. If we took a look at the number of uh, uh, tickets written, the, the most tickets at this point are actually written on uh, shocker, the Tampa Bay Bucks. I uh, yeah. wonder if they would like to get a, uh, a refund of that bet uh, off of, you know, some of the latest news. I mean, you know, Godwin's probably not going to be ready uh, for a long time uh, into the regular season. And, you know, now um, hall of famer tight end Rob Gronkowski is retired so uh, I don't know, maybe, <laughs> maybe that's just him saying, you know what, um, you know, I don't want anything to do with this preseason and I'll see you guys in week one, but that's just, uh, 
me being a skeptic. I, I, I honestly think he's, he has finished. And, you know, if, if he's not, I, I don't think he's going to come back, you know, resembling anything that he's, you know, we used to be seeing, you know, five, six years ago. So, yeah. I know a lot of, you know, Patriots fans and now Tampa fans that know Gronkowski better than anyone. They think he's coming back, but I'm with you. I, I think he's done. I, I think he, he got his other Super Bowl ring. I think we saw last year, you know, he was, he let him go out on top. You know, there, there's no reason for him to risk another injury. I think he really has given it all he can. And this guy's just a personality that he's going to go out and he's going to have, you know, a Michael Strahan, Peyton Manning or Eli Manning career afterwards where he's just adored. He's just a fun guy to, to watch, to listen to. He really has a good future ahead of him. So I don't think he's coming back, but when it does come to futures, you know, I, I would take the bills as a preseason favorite, even though they are the number one favorite, but I I'm looking at the AFC right now. And it's like, I don't think Kansas city is going to go back. And it's not just because it's a Tyreek Hill. I just think that, you know, I, I think, I think they need a lot more pieces to get there. Denver might be a popular pick for people with Russell Wilson going there. I'm not, a, I'm not a fan. What about Indianapolis, Robert? Because we have Michael, we have Matt Ryan there now. He's been to the Super Bowl before. He has arguably, you know, the number one running back playmaker in the league and Jonathan Taylor. He has some nice offensive weapons, you know, Michael Pittman on wide receiver. And he has a pretty easy division. I mean, I don't think Houston's anything, even though they're, they, they showed some improvement, but despite not having Deshaun Watson last year. Jacksonville, I think that they're still a train wreck. And I think Tennessee regresses significantly this year. So what do you think about Indianapolis? Yeah, no, that's great. And when you talk about like super sleepy, I mean, I don't even have a single ticket written on the Colts and I've got them at 25 to one right now. Oh, that's a good price. Right. So I, I would think, look, maybe, maybe that's what it is. Maybe, you know, they're looking at uh, Ryan instead of Wentz. And I don't know why I would think that, you know, it's not like they're going to get any worse. <laughs> Carson Wentz really didn't do much uh, with the offense uh, as we saw it. So I, I honestly think that if anything, they probably get a little bit better. Uh, and yeah, you know, with, with Taylor as, as, you know, as long as again, everything being equal, as long as everyone stays healthy, um, without a doubt, I could see the Colts, you know, putting up nine, uh, you know, a 10 win season without a doubt. And, you know, now yourself, now you got yourself in, in a playoff spot. Uh, and, you know, with the way I think that the play is going to go, um, they, they have to probably be top four in the conference right now. Uh, and, and I have a feeling that probably make the playoffs without even, again, w- without being, uh, you know, eyes on any kind of, you know, key injuries, you know, they, there's no way they do not make the playoffs this year, Allie. Yeah, they're one of my sleeper teams in the AFC that didn't make the playoffs last year. They should have made the playoffs last year, but, you know, yeah. Carson once blew it <laughs> in the last two games yes. of the season. They really just had to win one of those games and they couldn't do it. No, But I, I really like Indianapolis. Another team, you know, I think that is, isn't talked about enough as we should give them credit for. And I get they're they're in a hard division, but is the LA chargers and, you know, Justin Herbert, he's a blossoming star. You have a solid wide receiver core with Keaton Allen and Mike Williams. 
Austin Eckler, he just can do whatever he he wants to do when he gets the ball. But they're my sleeper to win the AFC West and dethrone the Chiefs this year. What do you think? No, uh, you you nailed it. That's I don't know. Are they a sleeper anymore? Um, you know, right now, currently, I've got uh, the Chargers at fifteen to one after opening them up at nineteen to one. Uh, so there is some interest in this team. And look, they, they keep their offense intact. You know, like you said, they've got Mike Williams back, Gerald Everett's back. We know about Eckler and, and Keenan Allen. Uh, you know, and then let's just take a look at how incredible Justin Herbert is in, in just a few years that he's already been a pro. Uh, almost a 66% completion percentage, 5,000 passing yards, 38 touchdowns, 15 interceptions. Uh, I, I think that he's got an MVP caliber year ahead of him. I just think that, all that's really left is that deep playoff run. Um, you know, so I think honestly that they're a really great pick, you know, at, at those current odds, because I, there's, I have them guaranteed to make it into the playoffs and there, there's no way I don't see them winning their division. To me, they, they win their division. That's, that's what I say with LA. I mean, heck, I just keep talking about offense, but I mean, you know, Joey Bosa, they've got, you know, Khalil Mack, JC Jackson now. You know, okay, I get it. Maybe he's, you know, not the defensive player of the year, uh, you know, from, from years ago. But, you know, him and Bosa, yeah, meaning, you know, Mac, you know, what kind of an edge rushing, you know, duo is that going to be? Yeah. No, I'm right with you. I really like the Chargers this year. Now, before I know we are running out of time, so we'll just focus on the AFC for the, re- for the remaining five minutes or so we have, and then we'll get more into the NFC next week. But a team that, everyone's picking to be their sleeper team that everyone's picking to, you know, make a postseason run that I just don't see is the Miami dolphins. And I get it. They got Tyreek Hill, but it all comes down to Tua under center. And I've said it since his Alabama days. I don't, I just don't trust him as a long-term solution in your quarterback position. The guy's always going to get hurt. He's on the smaller end. I just, I don't think he has the ability to lead a team to win even a division. What do you think, Robert? Yeah, no, neither do I. Uh, I, I. I don't agree with it. So, okay. If you looked at the Miami Dolphins right now and you, you see that the offense that they've, that they put together and you know what they could do defensively, uh, you think they're worth 40 to one? No. Okay. Nope. Okay. Because they still got to get past the Bills. The Patriots, you know, are somehow the Patriots are going to find a way to either w- make a wild card or something. And, you know, I think the Jets are improved. I mean, I'm, I don't like the Jets at all. I'm a Giants fan. But, I, you know, they're, they're going to be better than they were last year. Right. And I think Miami is just going to be one of those teams where they're just, you know, they're going to be everyone's hot pick and they already are everyone's hot pick and they're just not, they're just not going to make it. I don't know. No, I don't no. think that their, their head coach, what Mike, who was it? Mike McDaniel really is. I mean, he's a first time head coach. Let's see what he does, but I don't know. I I'm just not, I'm not supporting Miami at all. Well, yeah. And they're not going to win a division. So they're going to have to hope for a wild card spot. And we were just talking about the Colts. We just, you know, there's the Denver Broncos. There's, Baltimore, there's a lot of really great, talented teams for them to climb over, you know, and, and, and to make it in. Yeah. You know, are they, are they vastly improved? 
you know, one can say yes based on the arsenal that they built. I'll just going to have to wait and see how it all puts it together, though. Yeah, t- totally agree. And before we do end, let's just talk about a team that made the Super Bowl last year. And really, I don't hear any chatter about, but that's the Bengals. Like, why is that, Robert? No, it's, it's insane, right? And so I thought that I was going to be offering them uh, at a too high a price. Uh, uh, and I was taking a look at it. Which way should I go? And obviously, look, they're, they're a participant in the Super Bowl. And, you know, this was supposed to be a team that's going to be right up there. So I opened them up at 20 to 1, thinking, like, man, what am I doing? That's too high a price. And no one's biting. No one even cares for the Bengals at 20 to 1. I didn't get my first bite until I got to 28 to 1. Uh, so, man, talk about, you know, just a, a lack of trust in, in seeing what they put together. I mean, maybe, you know, maybe they felt that if, if they did, did, in fact, play the Bills, there would be no chance. I don't know. I, I, I think they're probably getting disrespected. Yeah, I agree with you. I, you know, I'm a big Burrow fan. I'm a big Jamar Chase fan. I think that that duo is for the next few years going to be the number one duo in the game. I don't think there's any question about that. I mean, the chemistry between those two guys is excellent and they still got solid guys, you know, T Higgins out on the center, Tyler Boyd. So, and Joe Mixon, don't forget running in the backfield. Yep. I mean, if anything, I can understand their defense isn't the greatest and maybe they do have a bit of a Super Bowl hangover. That is very possible. We see that all the time. But 28 to 1, I hate to say it, Robert, but I'm still not biting at that. <laughs> okay, so this is going to be crazy. Let's take a look at this. Allie, who are you buying? A better season from the Bengals or the Dolphins? Oh, I, I will say the Bengals because in that division – Pittsburgh is going to have all sorts of problems trying to figure out their quarterback position, you know, whether it's Trubisky, Rudolph, they're going to have to turn to Kenny Pickett. I don't know what, what, what to make of that team. I think Cleveland is going to be another dumpster fire. We don't know what's going to happen with Deshaun Watson. I personally think that the league suspends him and he doesn't play. And then how are you going to appease Baker Mayfield? Baltimore, you know, I think Baltimore, they missed the playoffs last year. I still think they take a step back again. Maybe they finish the same record or maybe they get the wild card. But yeah, I, I think Cincinnati, you know, they won 10 games last year. I could, I, I will say they'll win 11 games. Well, let's bookmark that one. <laughs> I hope so. But unfortunately, we are out of time. I knew this was going to happen, as it always does. But we will devote next week's episode to talking 100%, well, 50% uh, NFL futures. We'll go into the uh, NFC this time. And we will also talk more NBA free agency. I think those are the top two uh, topics to discuss. You know, we'll touch on the Stanley Cup a little bit, see where we're at. But thank you, everyone, for joining. And before we go, Robert, any last words? Yeah, once again, just like just like before, if you're going to go ahead and and make a good wager, make sure you get all the information you can. Uh, Twitter, still to this moment, my absolute top resource. There we go. And I agree with you. That's that's where I get all my breaking news is Twitter. Forget ESPN, forget Fox Sports, CBS Sports, it's Twitter. (laughs) Well, thank you, everyone, and have a great day, and we will see you next week. Take care.